When Moses led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, he learned the power and the love of God. Join me, Pastor Hook, as we learn lessons from the Exodus and God's great rescue. We are in episode 47 of this study, Exodus, God's Great Rescue. And we have been now applying the Ten Commandments to everyday situations that Moses would come across. And yesterday we talked about murder, whether or not it was intentional or accidental. And we also talked about the relationship between children and their parents and what parents are allowed to do in that one. But we're going to go now and we're going to talk about uh, quarreling and what happens if you get in an argument with somebody else. All right, so let's just go ahead and get into it. This is Exodus chapter 21. We'll begin reading at verse 18. If people quarrel and one person hits another with the stone or with their fist and the victim does not die but is confined to bed, the one who struck the blow will not be held liable if the other can get up and walk around outside with the staff. However, the guilty party must pay the injured person for any loss of time and see what the victim is completely healed, healed. See that the victim is completely healed. Okay, so this this would be kind of an extension of you should not kill. Basically, at one level, you are taking that person's ability to earn money for the tribe or their family, and you've taken away that ability because you've injured them. So now they're laid up in bed, they're going to heal, but while they're healing, they can't earn money. And so basically, if you cause this injury, then out of your own earnings, you have to help support support and provide for this person while he's laid up in bed. And this seems like a reasonable thing to do, but human nature, what it is, you have to imagine that there are some people that are going to milk this for all it's worth. For example, you... uh, you injure somebody, you hurt your arm, and you're in bed, and uh, you know it should take six to eight weeks to heal. Uh, at the end of six to eight weeks, it's like, oh no, I still can't, you know, come back in another six to eight weeks. Uh, so at some level, at some level, somebody needs to go right and check on this person and say, okay, uh, are you are you still injured, or or do we not, you know, can, you know, how is this all going forward? So anyway. Um, because human nature, everybody will try to milk the system or gain the system as much as they possibly can. That's just human nature. Uh, honest people don't try to do that. And, uh, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you want to live the life that Jesus has for you, you'd never try to game the system. That's, that's not something you should do, uh, because God calls us to be servants in the world. He calls us to serve the world. And many of the, in the Old Testament, obviously the tithe, the 10% was kind of protecting you against making sure that you didn't, um, you know, violate that. But in the New Testament, the tithe is no longer required, but we still are called to serve the world. And so we're called to do that. So basically the bottom line is um, this doesn't apply to us anymore, right? Because, uh, <laughs> uh we have a whole different legal system that, that takes care of this thing. And plus we have, we put into place all sorts of things that help us like health insurance and Medicare and Medicaid and all sorts of things that help us with this. Um, so it, it's not necessarily applicable today. Um, 
But it is interesting that even back at the time of Moses, we had to uh, compensate somebody for the damage. And like today, the most this doesn't happen. We don't normally strike somebody and hit them with a stone, but we do when we're driving along. And if the accident is our fault and we hit somebody, that is on us. And if we hit somebody and kill them, that is on us also. So this is uh, this is this doesn't go away. This is something that still exists today. Uh, we are that's why we carry insurance on our car so that if we cause somebody to be injured that we can pay their medical bills we can compensate them for their car there's all sorts of things but the more complex the society gets the more it costs to do these things so if you don't want to have the threat of hurting somebody or injuring somebody or killing somebody in a car wreck you just stop driving but how many of us can live in a society where you can live without a car it's hard here in Vail, almost impossible. It's pretty hard in Tucson, but in many, 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 many places around the world, it's not difficult at all to get around with a without a car. You could get around with a bicycle. Uh, as a matter of fact, that's a that's fairly common in most places of the world. We here in the United States have chosen to have automobiles so that we can create. The great thing about an automobile is that you can live farther away from the city center and be able to get to work every day. Although other countries have solved that with trains, um, other people have solved that with bicycles. So automobile isn't the only way to do that. In a way, I'm almost sad that we've solved it with the automobile because we've become an automobile dependent society. And, and I was a traffic engineer for years, so I love the automobile, but there are other ways to solve the problem of land uses and things like that without having the automobile and the smog and the pollution and the, the you know, depletion of natural resources that comes from that. Uh, but, you know, who am I? <laughs> Just a guy living in Vail. You know, the world goes on as it will without my help. Uh, we'll continue on. Verse 20. Anyone who beats their male or female slave with a rod must be punished if the slave dies as a direct result. But they are not to be punished if the slave recovers after a day or two since the slave is their property. So slaves are a different. Remember, this is slave or servant. This is not African slavery per se. This is somebody that may have sold themselves into slavery or perhaps the tribe sold somebody into slavery. I mean, there is a whole lot of things that can go on here that would... Um, create this situation. Uh, if you owned a slave back there and you beat a slave, which apparently was completely legal, but if you beat a slave and the slave died, then um, nothing, then if they, if you beat the slave and nothing happens, the slave can still move and nothing. But if the slave is dies, uh, then there must be punished. And what that punishment is, is up to uh, Moses basically. I have no idea what the punishment would be. It could be a financial punishment. It might be, you know, you have to, who knows? Who knows what the punishment was? But the if it's not a slave and you kill somebody, the punishment is death. So that for sure is going to happen. But if you punish, if you beat a slave to death, then it's your slave. Then it, you, because it's your property, you're not going to be killed, which it, we look at it now, you know, thousands of years later, and we think this is horrible, but this is kind of how that society developed. And it's hard to, 
it's hard to go back into time with our knowledge of how things go and judge them for the things they were doing. They were living thousands of years ago. Their society had developed with all these rules and regulations uh, the best they could. So you can't go back in time. This is specific to that time period. Um, interesting, the next one, verse 22. If people are fighting and hit a pregnant woman and she gives birth prematurely, but there is no serious injury, the offender must be fined. Whatever the woman's husband demands and the court allows. But if there is serious injury, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. Oh my goodness. So this is the section in scripture that says eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. And this one is hard. Um, for and, and again, you got to wonder if this was actually ever applied. Um because if you accident, I mean, if you accidentally take somebody's eye out, that's one thing. But if you purposely gouge somebody's eye out, are they really, really going to come and gouge your eye out? Uh, that doesn't seem fair. It seems like it would be better to be fined in that case. And perhaps if you have money, maybe you can buy your way out of this and not and not have your eye, you know, come out. But. Um, this is what it's written, and uh, I, I can't imagine how difficult it must be without pain, uh, you know, relievers or anything like that to go and cut out somebody's eye or cut off somebody's foot or tooth or hand or something like that. Just a horrible, horrible thing. Probably they would want to try to do everything in their possible, you know, in their power to try to make it so that, you know, that maybe they could do a fine or a punishment other than take out their somebody's eye. Now, this eventually turns into, if you know anything about um, the the current the Islam religion today, as it's practiced in some communities in the in the Middle East. They actually do still do things like this. Like uh, one of the punishments that you can have for stealing is to actually have your arm cut off. Uh, and so you know who is a thief because their arm was cut off um, because they don't have, you know, one of the things about um, punishment in prisons is that prisons cost a lot of money. You, it, you have to house that prisoner, feed that prisoner, make sure that there's a system to keep that prisoner away from the population and all that stuff. And here in the United States, we do a imprisonment system, but some places around the world, they just can't afford imprisonment systems. And it, um, you know, plus there's a lot of psychological damage for a prison system too. So what they do may seem crazy, but they'll just cut off a person's hand. And so you're marked for life as a thief so that's the humility and shame of that for the rest of your life. Um, but then they don't have to imprison you, right? And you wouldn't want to do it again because then they'll cut off your other arm. Uh, and then how hard is it to live? I mean, it's hard enough to live with one hand, but how hard would it be to live with two hands? Um, and then, of course, if there's also the shame of person born without a hand. Are they Were they born without a hand or did, somebody, or did God punish them because of something and make them born without a hand uh, or were they born with the hand and you know they have to live with the shame and punishment of living without a hand so no system of justice is perfect it's always uh, difficult no matter what because of, of human sin 
it is always difficult to manage these things. If we lived in a world where people didn't sin, it would be wonderful because then we wouldn't have to have all these punishments, but it's impossible. People are born into sin, at least of course to Augustine. You know, he said we're born with original sin. So, so this, is, this is part of life. It's part of humanity. Um, and if the woman gives birth prematurely but no serious injury, then the person's fine. But if, if you strike a woman uh, and, uh, but there's serious injury or you, you take her life, you strike a pregnant woman and the child dies, then, then you could very well um, you know, die yourself. Uh, or if you strike a woman and it's born, you know, with a, an, without an eye or without a tooth, you know, or whatever, you might have to pay penalty for that. Let's go to verse 26. An owner who hits a male or female slave in the eye and destroys it must let the slave go free to compensate for the eye. And an owner who knocks out a tooth of a male or female slave, slave must let the tooth go free and compensate for the tooth. So you wouldn't think, you know, you know, what's a big deal about a tooth, right? But just think of how difficult it is to, to live without teeth. Um, it's hard to eat without teeth. I mean, back then, they did not have the soft food that we have today. Um, did you know that peanut butter was an invention of a doctor who said some people have a hard time eating meat because they have no teeth and you it, you have to have teeth if you're going to chew meat and that's the main source of protein is meat so um he invented peanut butter as a way for people ground up peanuts as a way for people to get protein if people had no teeth this was before orthodontia and dentists and all that sort of thing it was uh, that's where peanut butter came from it was a solution um, of course now we love peanut butter all the time because it's so tasty <laughs> But uh, back then, it was originally invented because uh, because people couldn't get their protein if they didn't have teeth. And uh, it's not only just being able to eat, but there's a lot of industries where you might use your teeth to uh, cut thread or, you know, I mean, there's just the, the mouth is an incredibly powerful thing to help you live in life. And without your teeth, uh, it's quite possible that, um, you know, that you'd have a hard time. Now, this is another interesting thing. Can I digress here? I'll digress just a little bit because I was born with bad teeth. I wasn't born with bad teeth. I ate a lot of sugar when I was a kid and ended up with really, really bad teeth. It's amazing that if you go back 100 years ago and look at a lot of cultures they, that did not eat processed sugar, they have beautiful teeth. They have just big, white, bright, shiny, pearly teeth. Um, and this happens in every culture pretty much across the world. And it's not until these cultures learn about sugar that their teeth go south. Now, why do I bring this up? It's because um, I think we should probably not get our children addicted. I've kind of come 180 degrees on this. I used to even hand out candy on church on Sunday. Um, which, you know, one time is not going to kill somebody. But if you get children addicted to sugar like I was as a kid, um, th th that does harm your teeth. There was a, a movie I saw, a documentary on this, 
where it showed people in some African country from 100 years ago where they actually had pictures and it showed all their beautiful white, beautiful pearly white teeth against their black skin. Uh, and then sugar was introduced in the early you know, 1900s, late 1800s. And then it shows what happens after that and they all had horrible teeth. And so it really is true that sugar, refined processed sugar is very, very bad for your teeth. Uh, even if you floss, even if you gargle, even if you do all sorts of things, um, sugar is bad for your teeth. So uh, I think parents are know, uh, know this now. I didn't know this. And so I'm very, very thankful that my parents, um, you know, got me to a dentist where I had eight cavities as a kid and I had orthodontia to, you know, straighten out my teeth and things like that. Um, I, if I had it all to do over again, I would not give as much uh, refined sugar to my children <laughs> because it's it really does um, affect the teeth um, and and it shows here I mean back here the teeth of of your slave um, were probably fine looking teeth and they were able to do all sorts of things because they didn't have a processed and refined sugar back then and if you lost a tooth uh, it was a pretty severe thing so you got the slave got to go free if he lost his tooth um, if he knocks out a tooth or if he knocks out his eye, the slave gets to go free. So that's pretty interesting. All right, let's go to verse 28 because this is interesting. If a bull gores a man or a woman to death, the bull is to be stoned to death and its meat must not be eaten. But the owner of the bull will not be held responsible. If, however, the bull has had the habit of goring and the owner has been warned but has not kept it penned up and it kills a man or a woman, the bull is to be stoned and its owner also to be put to death. However, if payment is demanded, the owner may redeem his life by the payment of whatever is demanded. This law also applies if the boar gores a son or daughter. If the boar gores a male or female slave, the owner must pay 30 shekels of silver to the master of the slave and the bull is to be stoned to death. So here you have it again. A um, couple of things. First of all, this obviously now, I mean, this, this is the first time we see it, but this is obviously applying case law because the, the payment is 30 shekels. So as the value of the shekel decreases with the, with the society around it, you know, maybe it goes from 30 shekels to 50 shekels to 100 shekels. I mean, obviously there's always inflation at some level. And so um, this, this, and this isn't adjusted for inflation, but you can imagine that over time, uh, they would have to adjust this 30 shekels or control for inflation, which is almost impossible. Um, but it, but it's if if you have a if you have a bull, the bull gores somebody and it's an accident. Okay, you pay a fine. But if the uh, if the boar if they told you this bull is going to get out and it's going to kill somebody and you don't do anything about it and it gets out and it kills somebody, then you have to take your life. Although you could be uh, you redeem yourself with a fine. Now, and we also see this whole idea of redemption. So think about this. Uh, this is all legal ease about redemption. And if you think about what Jesus did, right? He redeemed us. And what was that redemption? The, the redemption is that we did something that is worthy of our life being taken. And Jesus steps in and pays the fine for us, the redemption for us, so that our life is not taken. So this puts a beautiful flavor on the whole idea of redemption and, and the power of that word. Um, and because Jesus is, he does redeem us. Um, 
that's that's just a wonderful, wonderful way of looking at it. We'll continue on. Verse 33. If anyone uncovers a pit or digs one and fails to cover it, and an ox or a donkey falls into it, the one who opened the pit must pay the owner for the loss and take the dead animal in exchange. If anyone's bull injures someone else's bull and it dies, the two parties are to sell the live one and divide both the money and the dead animal equally. However, if it was known that the bull had the habit of goring, yet the owner did not keep it penned up, the owner must pay animal for animal and take the dead animal in exchange. So uh, this almost sounds like he's repeating himself, but I, I still get the idea that Moses is there talking to God and saying, okay, I see the Ten Commandments. How do we apply it? And so they're coming up with this case law of how to apply the Ten Commandments. And Moses and God are just having a conversation. Okay, once I had this situation, this is how I handled it. And God says, great, or no, I'd handle it this way. And they're just kind of settling case law. Um, and the thing that I find out just so fascinating about it is how practical it is. I mean, really, I don't think anybody would look at this case law and say, that's impractical. I think as I look at this, it seems perfectly reasonable. You dig a pit and somebody else's bull falls in the pit and dies. Um, you pay him for the bull, but you get to keep the meat. I mean, that sounds really like a very, very wise and judicious way to handle this situation. And so if it's wise there, then it's probably wise everywhere else. None of these are out of the ordinary for the time that these people lived in. This is perfectly normal stuff. And, um, and I'm, I'm just grateful that, uh, that uh, I, I mean, I, up to this point, I really don't see anything that doesn't seem fair or equitable or anything like that. People have this image of God in the Old Testament as being just this horrible judge. And he's not. He gives the Ten Commandments because that's how we can live a wonderful life. It's how a society can live together. Then he's giving these case laws to just apply the Ten Commandments. But none of them seem horrible. None of them seem like God is just this mean judge sitting on the throne. It really does. Like if I were judge and sitting on the throne, these are some of the things that I would probably come up with also. Um, and that, that really is kind of a cool way to think about it. Um, cause we're talking about death. We're talking about gouging eyes and things like that. But, um, remember if there wasn't a complicated legal system back then and you know, you gouge out somebody's eye and he's the breadwinner for the family or, you know, one of the one of the people that's keeping that family afloat, there has to be a punishment. There has to be a threat. Don't do these things to people because it does cause injury and we're going to compensate for those injuries. Um, so anyway, uh, that's that's uh, the end of chapter 21. We'll get into 22 and we're going to talk about the protection of property when we get to that chapter. So we'll do that in the next episode. Um, I think this is probably a good way to end it. So um, let's close in prayer. Gracious God, as we review these things, we realize what a just judge you are. But we also realize that when we fell short and did not keep your law, you sent your son Jesus to redeem us. And for that, we are eternally thankful. Be with us until we meet again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.